praise team, thank you choir, and thank all of you for taking part in worship this morning. If you brought your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. No doubt a familiar passage when, you, when we discuss the Lord's Supper. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I want to read verse 23 through uh, verse uh, 32. And this morning, uh, I want to share a sermon entitled, The Lord's Supper, Our Personal Message. The Lord's Supper, Our Personal Message. And we'll look at 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, through verse 32. And so if you would, if you're able, please stand out of reverence to the inspired, uh, irreverent, Word of God, verse 23, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it and in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Verse 27, Therefore whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we're judged, we're chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Heavenly Father, we thank you for an opportunity now we've had to worship you and to praise you in hymns and songs and praise songs. And so, Father, now we come to the most important part of our message before the invitation is that your word. We pray, Lord, that you'll take your word and apply it to our hearts. May we be re receptive to your word, realize that it is your inspired word, your inerrant word. Help us to realize that you're speaking to us this morning, Lord. This is not words on printed paper, but it's holy God speaking to us through his son, the word of God, Jesus Christ, as he speaks to us in your Holy Spirit. May your will be done in our lives, and we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, and may be seated. Worshiping this morning as we pick up uh, God's Word, the Lord's Supper, a personal message. We've come together to observe the Lord's Supper. We've come together to observe the Lord's Supper. It's not our supper, but it's his supper. It's Jesus who does the inviting to the supper. 
We're, in, we're the invited guest. We're the invited guest as the disciples were the invited guest when they went into the upper room. They were invited by Jesus to meet him there. And I got to thinking about, for over the years, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, how Christians, those who follow Christ, those who have put their faith and trust in him, those who followed Jesus Christ, and how, how many and for how long Christians have been gathering in churches and homes, catacombs, hidden basements, prison cells, number of other places for hundreds and hundreds of years to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And we do this to honor His request. Do this in remembrance of me. Chapter 11, verse 24. Do this in remembrance of me, meaning to, to call back our memories of a vivid past and then meditate upon those memories. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, most of us have family albums, and we have a picture album. They go back for years and years and years. And if you sat down and looked through my photo album, our family album, probably wouldn't mean much to you. Uh, you'd see a picture of my first birthday. You'd see a picture of my first day in school. You'd see a picture of an old house, white house. It wasn't that old then. A white house there in Rockwood where my parents raised my sister and I. You'd see a picture of Rockwood Junior High School. You'd see a picture of an old water tank that furnished water for that entire community. You'd see a picture of an old shaggy English sheepdog by the name of Butch. When we got him, his name was Bill. Just so happened my dad was named Bill. And when mother would get the broom after the dog, everybody thought she was getting the broom after daddy. So we changed his name to Butch instead of Bill. And as you look at those pages, as I look at those pages, reminds me of so many memories of days gone by. And listen, the same way those pictures bring to mind so memories of days gone by from my personal life, so does the bread and cup as we look at the Lord's Supper table and the memories that we have as God's family of things that took place as we look at the bread and the cup. When I look at that table, I'm reminded of the great sacrifice that was made for me, not for me only, but for the whole world. So the point is, this is one reason that the Lord's Supper is for those who have by faith been born again into God's family. It's for God's people to observe this Lord's Supper because we know what was involved for all of this to come about, that we could be born into the family of God and have a new life in Christ Jesus. And then Paul said this, Paul said, We proclaim the Lord's death until He come. Verse 26. Now the Greek word there, Proclaim means that we're preaching a sermon. 
You ever thought of yourself as a preacher? Well, when we come to the Lord's Supper, we're preaching a sermon. We're preaching a message when we come to the Lord's table. And so thus, our personal message, the Lord's Supper, our personal message. Now, our personal message has four points. I'm going to give those to you if you're taking notes. Point number one, we have a word of explanation. We're preaching a message. So first of all, our message has a word of explanation. Look at verse 23, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the same Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. Now notice what he said. He says, for I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you. In other words, we're to proclaim that same message that Paul proclaimed. So there's a word of explanation about that. It's been delivered to us. This explanation about the Lord's Supper has been delivered to us. The explanation, the supper is an ordinance given by Christ to the church. You say, Brother Sam, what's an ordinance? Well, an ordinance is a, is a ceremony that Jesus commands the church to observe that tells the story of the gospel in a very symbolic way. That's the explanation. What's the Lord's Supper? It's been delivered unto us. It's a ceremony that Jesus commands the church to observe that tells the story of the gospel in a very symbolic way. We're going to see that in a few minutes. So we have an ordinance before us. We have two ordinances as the church. The first ordinance is that of baptism. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ. Beautifully pictured at a baptism. And so the baptism, a baptism tells the gospel story. Baptism has nothing to do with washing away your sins. However, it's the first step of obedience for every Christian. If you've been born again, you should come and be baptized. If you've asked Christ to come into your life, you need to come and be baptized. Baptists believe it. Baptism is by immersion. Why is that? Because it's a picture of the gospel. It's the death of Jesus, the burial of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus. It's a picture of what you believe about yourself. I've died to sin. I've died to sin. I've been raised in a new life in Christ Jesus. It's an ordinance. It's a symbol of what you believe about the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection. Then there's the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. There's no saving grace bestowed when you eat the bread. There's no saving grace when you drink the juice. It doesn't save you. However, it shows the broken body which is the bread, and it shows his shed blood, which is the juice. It's symbolic of his broken body and his shed blood. Therefore, the Lord's Supper is not a ritual that we just repeatedly observe, and after a short time it loses its significance. No. Now, our Catholic friends believe in what's uh, in a term called transubstantiation. 
They believe that the elements, the bread, the cup, they become the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. The Lutheran, our Lutheran friends, they hold to a thing called sub, uh, consubstantiation. They believe that the elements mysteriously change when it enters the body and becomes the actual body and the blood of Christ. No, the Bible doesn't teach that. Baptists believe that elements are symbolic of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Have no saving grace whatsoever. What can wash away your sin? Not baptism. What can make you whole again? Not the Lord's Supper. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse you from your sin. So first we have a word of explanation. Secondly, we have a word of exaltation. Look at that, if you will, in verse 24. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When he had given thanks, he broke it. So the point is, the cross was no accident. He willingly, voluntarily laid down his life. John 10, verse 18 no one takes my life from me, Jesus said, for I lay it down myself. So this morning, the Lord's Supper is a time that we're reminded what Jesus did for us, and it's a time, as we do, as we're reminded, to exalt Him and thank Him for what He did for us. Are you forgetful? No, you don't have to answer that. Um, I'm, I'm getting forgetful, um, more forgetful. Uh, I forget names. Uh, I forget uh, somebody uh, leave me a message on the phone and, and, and for me to call them back, and I forget to call them back. If I really don't write it down and make it a point, I'm getting, I'm getting more forgetful with appointments, being supposed to be somewhere, with names, messages, appointments. And at times, I really, now listen, I really forget why Christ came to earth. So the point is, the Lord brings me to his table today and says, remember me. Remember me. Exalt me. Thank me. And so we're reminded today. Now, what am I to thank him for? Well, I'm to thank him for, because he died for me. I'm to thank him because he suffered for me. I'm to thank him because he went through just not death, not just any death, but the death of a cross. I'm to thank him because he went through what he went through with people standing around mocking him and screaming at him and cursing him and laughing at him and berating him. I'm to thank him for doing that for me. I'm to remember that. Remember what? God, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says it so clear. God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, he became sin for me that I might become the righteousness of God. I'm to remember that. 
So the point is, we partake of the Lord's Supper to remember Him. We're to exalt Him. We're to give Him glory and honor and praise. It's a message that we preach when we come together, that we explain what the Lord's Supper is, then we exalt Him for what He did. And so we have a word of explanation, a word of exaltation, and then in verse 26 you have a word of expectation. Look at that, if you will. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till He comes. See the expectation? We do it, as often as we do it, we're to remember what? The Lord's return. He's coming back. There's a word of expectation. Now, there was a word that was constantly spoken by the early believers. And the early believers would use this word, the Hebrew word, Maranatha. Maranatha. Maranatha means the Lord is coming. Maranatha, constantly using They greeted each other instead of saying, Hello, how you doing? They said, Maranatha, brother. Maranatha, sister. The Lord is coming. They comfort each other at death and would stand and say, don't worry, don't grieve so much because Maranatha, the Lord is coming. They shouted the word to one another. Even in their final moments of martyrdom, they shouted the word Maranatha. Before they were burned at the stake, they shouted Maranatha. Before they were crucified, they shouted Maranatha before they were thrown to the lines in the Colosseums. They were shouting, Maranatha, the Lord is coming. Maranatha, the Lord is coming. They lived with the hope that the soon coming of the Lord would be near, real near. What would they say today? What would they say today, thinking, I was jotting these things down. What would they say today? They said, Maranatha, the Lord is coming. But what would they say today when they looked at inflation? They'd say, Maranatha, the Lord's coming. What would they say when they checked the market and saw what a mess the stock market was in? What would they say on the verge of a nuclear war with Russia and China? Maranatha, the Lord's coming. What would they say about crooked politicians and lying politicians? And what would they say about the rewriting of the marriage vows and killing the unborn and setting free dangerous criminals all over the United States? What would they say when they heard about transgenderism? I mean, what an abomination to the Creator of man and woman and male and female. What would the early believers proclaim when they heard all of that? Maranatha, the Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. Years ago, uh, when I was going on mission trips outside the country, one thing that I would do, I would take a picture of Judy. And um, three by five or a little five by seven. And she'd... Uh, We'd pack that in my luggage. And wherever I'd get where I was, when I got where I was going, I'd take that little small frame picture of Judy and I, 
I put it on a nightstand by a hotel or some room that I had somewhere. And that picture would remind me of my love for her and how much I missed her. When I returned home, unpacked my bags, but I left that picture in my suitcase. I didn't unpack it. But I, I just put the picture away. And why did I do that? Well, there's no need of a picture when I had her present with me. And the point is, her presence was more important than the picture. One day Jesus is coming back for me. And I hope you're going to be a part of that great home going. But while we're separated from his presence, I'm going to put the picture of Jesus out in front of you. But it's not always going to be that way. Because the picture is not as important as his presence. And so one day when he comes back, we're not going to be doing this here anymore. He has something else planned. He says he won't partake of this anymore until, until we get to heaven. But I'll put the picture out of Jesus, the Lord's Supper, the bread and the cup. And we'll continue to eat the bread and drink the cup until he comes. There's a word of explanation, verse 23. There's a word of exaltation, verse 24. There's a word of expectation, verse 26. And I'm going to close with this. There's a word of examination, verse 28. Look at verse 28. But let a man examine himself. Let a man, let a woman, boy and girl. Let a man examine himself and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. You know what the word examine means in the Greek? It means let a man put himself or herself on trial. Put yourself on trial. Let a man search his heart. Let a man shine a light in the dark recesses of his heart. Examine yourself. Put yourself on trial before you eat and drink and partake of the Lord's Supper. Let us search our hearts to see if there be any unconfessed sin in us. Search our hearts for sin, the sin of the tongue, the sin of action, the sin of thought, the sin of omission. You know, the Bible says if you know to do good and you don't do it, well, then that's sin. But once you search your heart, then confess your sin and turn from that sin. Claim the scripture, 1 John 1, 9. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So search your heart. Put yourself on trial. See if there be any wicked thing in you. Confess your sins. Ask him to forgive your sins turn from your sins, and then come to the table and partake of the Lord's Supper.
We look backward with explanation. We look upward with a word of exaltation. Thank you, Lord. We look forward with a word of expectations. God, you're coming again one day. We look inward with a word of examination. How's my life before the Lord right now? Maranatha, the Lord is coming. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity to focus upon the message that we present as we partake of the Lord's Supper. It's a message delivered to Paul that he delivered to the church. Help us, we pray now, to, to apply of what we heard today to these feeble lives that we have. Help us, we pray, to search our hearts. Thank you for what you're going to do today. I pray for every person here. Speak to our hearts, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.